Hey, thanks for checking out the Vantage Point Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle. So glad to have you with us. Uh, as has been said already by Pastor Austin, man, it's only been a couple weeks since we've been here, but man, we missed uh, getting to spend time with you and connect with you. So we are so glad that we are back. Happy New Year. Okay. Yeah, we are in a new year and we are in, we're starting a brand new series today that we are calling The F Word. Now, just wait, calm down. It's not, not the one that maybe jumps to some people's mind right away. Although the one we're going to talk, it's just as bad. We're, we're going to be talking, the F word we're talking about today is failure. Okay, uh, failure. We're, we're in a brand new year and there's a lot of people who are excited about that. Uh, if you're like a lot of people, <clears throat> you think about last year and <laughs> man, last year was just, such a dumpster fire. You're like, you're just relieved that it's over, it's done with, and you are grateful to move on to a new year. To a new year. But there are others, you can have a hard time moving ahead and looking forward because we keep looking back at last year and all we see are so many mistakes. We look back and we look at, at relationships and we feel like, you know, my relationships, they weren't what I thought they were going to be. Or you know, we look at, at our family and, and uh, the, the relationships with our kids weren't the parent that we set out to be. You know, maybe if you're like me, you, you had all these plans, you know, we're going to do all this and it's going to be family time and it's going to be great and time with my spouse. And then COVID comes along like a little toddler, here's our plans, it just kind of kicks them all over, you know. Or maybe last year <clears throat> you, st- you stepped out and took some risks in your business and things didn't go the way you wanted them to go. Or maybe... Maybe your, your marriage failed or your relationship with your kids. Maybe you had some health goals that you had and you wanted your health to be a certain, certain way and it just didn't happen. For some this year, you know, you're looking at the calendar, you know that you're, you're turning 40 years old. Uh, one of those birthdays, you know, kind of have to just cough through it. And, uh, you know, financially, you're not where you thought you would be at this point in your life or in your career, you're not where your career you thought it would be. And if you're honest, you say, you know what? I just, I feel like a failure. And we don't like that feeling, do we? <laughs> no, we do everything we can to push that away, to run from it, to hide from it. Failure has become a bad word for a lot of us. For a lot of us, it, it is the F word. It is the worst word, failure. But I have a confession to make. Uh, I'm a failure. In fact, I, I fail all the time. I mean, there are so many things that society tells us that you have to do A, B, and C to be successful. And I, I fail at these things all the time. Let's just take a quick look, okay? Um, society says that you should drink uh, eight glasses of water every day, okay? Fail. I mean, maybe eight cups of coffee an, an hour, um, <laughs> a lot, you know, fail there. The dentist, the dentist says that you should brush your teeth after every meal and floss twice a day. Okay, it's moving on. Uh, you should never lie. And yet all of you know you've lied to your dentist when you're sitting there in the chair and they have the instruments in your mouth. So do you floss regularly? You know, because what is regularly? Uh, make your bed every day. You can ask my wife about that. Um, you know, Never, never listen to music above one decibel. 
I know there's some teenagers here that could have probably failed at that as well. Okay, three words. <clears throat> three words. The speed limit. Okay, enough said. So I am a failure, but hey, are there any other failures here in the room? A few other failures here with me? Man, I have a church full, never mind. <clears throat> okay. But here's the truth. The truth is failure is a fact of life. Failure, it's a fact of life. I mean, think about it from our earliest days, you know, uh, back when we were little babies and we're learning how to walk. I mean, think about it. Fall again and again. Babies are trying to learn to walk. We, we fall and fail over and over and over again. I mean, there's a good reason that God made babies low to the ground. Otherwise, there would be no humanity. We would not survive. <clears throat> But we fail at so many things. Professional baseball, do you realize that in baseball, if you strike out seven times out of every 10 at bat, you're like one of the greatest players. You're like one of the best. Abraham Lincoln was defeated in eight elections. Henry Ford failed at, at five different businesses and went bankrupt each time, five different times. And now we tell these stories because, you know, they're, they're kind of meant to encourage us. Wait, wait, one more. Let's throw this one up on the screen. Michael Jordan. There it is. He said this, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. Failure. And I could, I could give example after example of stories like that. And, and they're, like, so they're, they're meant to encourage us. They're meant to say like, you know, well, everyone fails. You know, failure is a part of life and, and that should encourage us. But then why is it that we do everything we can to avoid it? We do everything we can to run from it. And we, we run from failure in so many different ways, kind of based on your personality, but there's a lot of ways that we kind of respond to it. Some of us, we try to, to pass it off. We blame our failures and others around us, right? Well, you know, well, my parents didn't, they didn't um, believe in me. My spouse didn't support me. My boss, my boss always underestimated me. You know, if, if, if I, we would have had more money when I was growing up, if I would have had the opportunity to go to college, if they would have treated me better, right? And we pass it off on others, we blame others. Then there's others that, that they'll tend to, to pretend it away. You know, we don't wanna think about it. So when things start to go bad, what do we do? We speed up. We, we don't wanna think about it, so we don't wanna slow down, have to process it. So we move on to the next thing. And you'll see there are so many times when, when there'll be like this wake of half-finished projects and broken promises and busted relationships because we don't want to slow down. We just want to move on to, to the next thing. Failure turns some of us into perfectionists where everything has to be perfect. Everything and everyone around them, nothing is good enough. Some of you are married to perfectionists. You know, I'm talking about every, you're a project, your kids are a project, your home is a project, and there's always more that you can be doing and they're never satisfied, right? And, and there's just this internal discontent. On the other side, for some people, failure causes paralysis where we kind of throw our lives into neutral and we stop moving forward. Um, we're afraid of rocking the boat. We're afraid of messing things up. We stop taking risks. And so what happens is some of us, we go into preservation mode where, okay, as long as I just keep what I have, I don't want to just walk real slow, don't mess anything up. I don't want to lose what I have. So regardless of 
of how we respond to it. Here's the truth. Failure brings about some real strong reactions in us, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that amazing? Why is that? Why is it that, that, that if everyone fails, it's part of life, we all failed. And why does it feel so personal? And why do we, why do we fear it like we do? Why do we fear failure? Well, I think honestly, <clears throat> we don't actually fear failure. You know what I think we really fear? I think we fear rejection. Rejection is what we fear. If you have a Bible this morning, you can turn to Romans chapter three. If you don't have one handy, we're gonna have the verses up on the screen as well. But we fear rejection. We think, well, you know, if I can't provide for my family, if I can't take care of them and give them all the things that I think they want and need, you know, the nice house and the fun trips and, and all these things, all the stuff, then they're gonna feel like I've let them down. Or maybe, you know, if I'm not the perfect mom, and I'm not doing all the things that they say you need to be doing in all the mom's groups. You know, if the kids leave the house with one hair out of place or they don't have the perfect Instagram post, you know, we're all matchy-matchy and life is great and you don't know, the baby just got sick on her brother, you know. And <clears throat> I won't go further, that would just gross you out. Um, real life though, right? You know, if we're not feeding our kids all organic snacks, which I guess, okay, real talk, uh, your kids, when you're not looking, they're eating things off the carpet. Okay, come on. Some of it's organic, some of it not so much. But, you know, if we, but we think if I can't do all the things my kids ask and all these expectations we have, here's, here's the lie. We think we're, we're somehow damaging them and that when they get older, they're not gonna wanna have anything to do with us. Some of it's, it, it, us, it's with work. You know, if we hit a bump at work and we're not able to, to get the results we've been known to get, we feel like, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to lose the respect of my coworkers. If I can't say yes, because I've already said yes a bunch of times, because I like helping people out. I like being that person that people can rely on and depend on. If I can't say yes, maybe they won't like me anymore. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll think less of me. If I can't do all the things that I, I do, Will people want me to be around? And here's one of the tough ones. If people knew what I was really like, if people knew some of the thoughts that I had, some of the things that I struggle with, well, you know what? You wouldn't even want me at this church. We've bought into the lie that if I fail, I won't be accepted because we've based so much of our worth and our value on our performance. We base so much of our worth and our value on, on what we can do for those around us. And, and if I'm producing, if I can do this for you, if, I, if I'm shining, then I'm good, then I'm accepted. But if not, you know, we even do this with God. You know, we think, well, you know, it's been busy and I haven't been reading the Bible as consistently as I should. And, you know, I've kind of been a bear to my family all this week. And so I, I really can't come to God right now in prayer. You know, I need to wait until I get my act together. Okay, I need to wait until, I, until I'm doing better. And it's not something we would say out loud, but it's, it's, it's our practice. It's what we do. It's amazing. If I, and the message we're sending to ourselves is that if I fail, then I'm disqualified. If I fail, I'm disqualified. But let's look at what scripture has to say about this. Romans chapter three, verse 23 says this. It says, for... What's that word? 
all. For, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And the sooner we realize that, the so much better. The sooner we realize that all have failed. We've all failed. And, and here's the thing, if you wanna be a believer, if you wanna be a follower of Jesus, the truth is this, failure is not a disqualifier, it's a prerequisite. We, uh, recognizing that, recognizing that we have failed, that we can't do this in our own strength, it's a prerequisite. In fact, let's back up a few verses. Let's look at verse 19. This is out of the New Living Translation. It says this, it says, the purpose of the law is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law, and here it is, the law simply shows us how sinful we are. It's saying the whole purpose of the Old Testament commandments was to show us that we can't do this on our own. Because otherwise there'd be some people that would think, well, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. You know, look around everyone else, look around your coworkers or your family. And think, you know, I've, I think I've got this. You know, I've never murdered anyone. You know, I don't steal or cheat. I, I think I've got this. And the law comes along to say, oh, really? You think you've got this? Okay, well, you think you, you have what it takes to measure up before a holy, perfect God? Well, here are the standards of God. Okay, let's just look at the Ten Commandments which is something if we're honest, you know, we don't even, we don't even keep those the way that we should, you know, N never lie. You never told a lie. Um, hey, do, do I look, do I look a little, you know, heavy in this outfit? You've never told a lie. <laughs> Moving on quickly. Uh, you, you've never stolen anything, even time at work. In 10 commandments, it says thou shalt not covet. Like that's like, like, don't, don't be envious of someone else's life. You've never looked at someone else's life or situation and thought, man, gosh, I really wish I had what they have. Then on top of it, if that wasn't enough, he adds another 603 commandments. That's how many Old Testament uh, laws there are, 613. And, and the goal is that we would get to the point where we throw our hands up in the air and say, I can't do this. On my best day, I, I don't have what it takes. My, my, my best effort and my best intentions, I, I fail. And I think it's at that point, God's like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. I, I, I can work with that. It's those of us that go through our lives and think, well, I'm, I'm pretty good. I work hard. I, I, can, I can make it all happen. I can manage all this for my family and, and I can do all the things. And we think we can do it all on our, on our own. And we're exhausted. Here's the good news though. Let's jump ahead. Romans 5. Romans 5 verse 8. This, this might be one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It says this. It's in this whole conversation about the law. It says, but God demonstrated his own great love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know what that means? That means that Jesus, he, he knew full well. He knew all about you. He knew all about me. He knew all about your flaws and your failures. He knew about, about every defeat along the way and every dumb decision. And he still chose you. He said, I know all about the, the areas you're gonna mess up in, every struggle. And he still chose you. He died for you while you were still a sinner. So here's it, hear me, hear me. When Jesus chose you, he didn't get a lemon. 
He didn't get a dud. God's not looking at you saying, oh, I really messed up on that one. Man, you know, this guy really had some potential, but I dropped the ball. What a waste. Here's the thing. God, he, he loves you so much. He loves you so much. His love for you is not based on a report card or on zeros on a paycheck or numbers on a scale. And his love for you, it, it doesn't go up on your best day. You know, he's not sitting in heaven like, wow, this one, he's doing really. It, it doesn't go up an inch and it doesn't go down on your worst day either. He couldn't love you any more or any less if he wanted to. He says so himself, himself in scripture. It says, I've loved you with an everlasting love, with an everlasting love. See, your acceptance and your worth is not based on your performance. It's solely based on the person of Jesus. It's not based on your performance, not based on anything that we can do for God. Hmm. Some of us, we're still running around trying to please God like we try to please our parents. We're trying to, to please God like we tried to, to please that, that person in our life, that it was never enough. And God says, come on, will you just come to me? See, when we get to that point, we recognize it's such a freeing thing. It's such an incredibly freeing thing. It's what the apostle Paul experienced, who is the person that, that these verses in Romans we just read about, he, he, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote these verses and he shares a little bit more about his, his experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You can turn there if you want. Um, Paul, before he encountered, encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, he was known as Saul and he was a Pharisee. That was, that was what he was. You may be familiar with Pharisees, you might remember them. They were the religious leaders uh, that gave Jesus a real hard time. In fact, um, uh, they, they were kind of like, uh, Pharisees were, were super devout. They were kind of like the crossfitters of the religious world of that day. Like, you know, if someone ever asks you to work out, before you say yes, you owe it to yourself to find out if they're a crossfitter. And if they are, you should just run away because they will kill you. Um, you know, it's not enough to ride an exercise bike. Let's strap you in and let's attach weights to make it harder. You run away. Granted, it's not going to help. But they will catch you because they are a crossfitter. Um, the Pharisees, they were the crossfitters of the day. Uh, they were so committed to trying to, to be perfect and to never fail. You know what they did? They added all these extra rules and regulations to their life. Like, like maybe we can, if we're just good enough, we work hard enough, we can, can, can get to God in our own effort. In fact, scripture talks about tithing. It talks about that we should you know, give 10% of our, of our income to God. Well, the Pharisees heard this. You know what they did? They... <laughs> They started going through their, their spice counters uh, and started getting down their spice. Okay, well, let's give God 10% of our oregano and 10% of, you know, of our basil. I mean, can you imagine how tedious that is, sitting down with a comb trying to comb out 10%? Okay, need to give God 10% of my pepper. And, you know, you sneeze, now you got to do it all over again, you know? But that is the background <laughs> that Paul came from. That's how he lived his life. And now years down the road, he's given his heart to God. And yet he, he shares his experience. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let's look at verse seven. He says this, he says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. A thorn is in his flesh. Now we're not quite sure totally what that is. I mean, scholars like to think, well, maybe it was an illness 
or a physical defect because in scripture, Paul talks about having bad eyesight or, or different things. Others think maybe it was a temptation or it was a struggle that he had to just rely on God's help to, to resist that. We're not sure for sure, but what we do know is he asked God to take it away. Not once or twice, but three times. Three times he pleaded with God to take it away. I mean, come on, here's Paul. Here's a person who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. I imagine him saying, come on, God, I, I have faith. I, I, I've seen you do miracles. I know you can do these things. Why am I still working through this? I thought I, I thought I was supposed to be an overcomer, more than a conqueror. I thought I was supposed to be mature. And yet I feel like I'm, I'm failing because I have this thing in my life. See, Paul, um, I think he still had some of that residue of his life as a Pharisee. And I think maybe we think some of the same ways. He thought, well, I have to be perfect. I have to be all put together. I have to have everything all worked out to win. But, but look at what the Lord says to him. Verse nine, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Here's Paul's response. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. See, we think the goal is we have to achieve. We have to arrive. We have to get to some place and, and, and we have to win. The goal is to win. But you know what God says the goal is? The goal is that we would walk with him. The goal is that we would walk with him. Paul, back when he was a Pharisee, you know, it probably looked like on the outside that he was winning. Anyone would look at his life and it looks like everything's good, but he was dying on the inside. And that's what so many of us settle for. We settle for behavior modification, you know, for, for looking the part. We, we go on, on, on social media and we crop and we filter and we try to project this image. But Jesus says, come on, if you will just walk with me, we, we want to run, run ahead. We want to win. We want, want everything to be taken care of. No more struggles, no more difficulties. But Jesus, here's the thing. If you will walk with me right in the middle of your weakness, my power will rest on you. You'll know my strength and I will transform you from the inside out. No longer do you have to settle for looking strong. You can actually become strong. Because here's the truth. Here's what your father knows. Here's, here's what Jesus knows. If you'll walk with me, ultimately you win. You win. If you'll just walk with me, winning is guaranteed. You, you will get there. It's a longer process. It, it's a more humbling process, but we're guaranteed victory. See, because we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. Jesus, he, he got victory for us at the cross. Our victory is assured if we will walk with him. But you know what the problem is? I mean, look, look at the freedom. Let me show you, look at the freedom that Paul experiences, verse 10. He says, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. No, he said, I delight in these things. He's not embarrassed by them. He's not trying to hide from them or run from them. He delights them, why? Because he's recognized this. When I'm weak, when I recognize my condition, I say I'm weak, then I'm strong because I can experience 
his, his strength. The weight is taken off of our shoulders. That pressure that we feel, we place that pressure on Jesus. Does that mean that, you know, hey, just go on, keep failing, do whatever you want to know? No, we're gonna talk more about that next time. But God, he brings strength into our life. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. So much, we don't like to feel weak though. We don't like to look foolish. Well, I, I could go to a connect group and open up and share my heart, but, but then I'd feel weak if I did that. I could come up here at the end of this service and receive prayer, but you know, I would feel foolish. They, they would hear about some of the, everyone would look at me and think, oh, oh, there must be some junk going on in their life. Oh, like there's no junk going on in your life. Okay, right? Um, we'd rather, and then we think, well, they might think less of me. And there's that fear of rejection again. But here, here's the truth. You know what? Yeah. You, you can either confess your weakness now or you can come back and confess your sin later. I would rather, I would so much rather confess my weakness than have to come back and confess my sin. Okay? And so what happens is we're so afraid of looking foolish that we become foolish. We're so afraid of feeling weak that we weaken ourselves. The scripture says when you share your weaknesses, that's how you receive strength. But no, no, I don't want to feel weak. So instead, I'll become weak. Here's what I put in my notes. Failure doesn't kill us. Pride does. Failure, failure is not fatal. Failure doesn't kill us. Pride is what kills us. I, I've got this. I can handle this. No, I... I don't need anybody's help. I don't need anybody to pray for me. No, I'll figure this out. Come on, don't let pride make 2021 the things you regretted from 2020. Don't, don't, don't allow that. Because here's the thing, come on, as, as believers, as followers of Jesus, failure is not the end of the road. It's our starting line. It's the beginning of what God wants to do. It is the starting line. Say, I failed. I've messed up. God, I need you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you don't base our worth on our performance. God, you don't base our worth on anything that we could do. You have loved us with an everlasting love. So Father, I pray for every person that hears my voice that we would just, we would let go acknowledge this is where we're at, that we need you. As you're praying this morning, let me just ask a simple question. Is there an area in your life where you need to acknowledge failure? Is there an area you'd say, I'm weak in this area. I'm failing over here. I'm failing in my marriage. I'm failing with my relationship with my grown kids. I've made work too much of a priority. I've focused on, on other things. I've gotten my focus in the wrong place. I'm failing over in this area. Will you acknowledge that? Will you say, I am weak. I need you. So that Christ's power can dwell, dwell on you. For some, maybe it means this next, this next semester, you need to join a connect group. You need to invite some people into your story. You can say, I'm weak. Will you help me become strong? And they'll say, yeah, I'm weak too. We're gonna have more information about our connect groups. I encourage you, check that out. Maybe as we're praying this morning, you know what? You've never acknowledged that you actually need God. I mean, you believe in God. Uh, you know, you, you believe the Bible is good, but you've never surrendered your life. 
you've been trying to, to show God, look how good I am. And today you'd say, God, I, I, I need you. I can't do this on my own anymore. I am tired. I am worn out. I need you. With everyone's eyes closed, I, I'm gonna invite you. Maybe you're here today and that's you. And I wanna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you to the front or, or point you out in any way. I just wanna know who I'm praying for. So if you're here today, you'd say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to acknowledge that I, I need you. Will you just raise your hand and put it down? There in the back, on the side, God bless you. In the middle, God bless you. All across, hands all across this room are coming up. That's awesome. And here's the thing. It's not a magic formula. You can raise your hand and put it down if you want. But if it's the intention of your heart, you are inviting God to begin working in your life. And so here at Vantage Point, no one prays alone. I'm gonna invite the entire congregation. Would you pray this prayer along with me? If you're watching online, pray this prayer with us. And you can email me, Kyle at vantagepointchurch.net. I would love to know about you making that decision. Let's pray this together. Father God, I give you my life. I'm sorry for going my own way, for choices that have hurt me and choices that have hurt you. Thank you for sending Jesus to forgive me, to die for my sins, to give me new life. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Father God, thank you so much. I thank you for everyone who, who said that prayer, who, who began that relationship. Father, thank you for what you are doing in our lives. And Lord, Lord this is the starting point. Father, I can't wait to hear the stories. God, I can't wait to hear the stories in the weeks and the months and the years to come of how you've transformed us, of how you've done in us what only you can do. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Vantage Point Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more episodes. If you love it, you can rate the podcast and share it with your friends. We love you, and we hope you join us again next week.